While the pop culture connection that first bonded the guild together was Game of Thrones, we didn't truly reach full nerd out level status until we all discovered Dan and Eugene Levy's masterpiece, Schitt's Creek. While each of us visited the creek in our own time, we found ourselves folding in the cheese, resisting the urge to run away to Amish country, and longing to attend a barn party. You too? If so, why not put on a wig or don an ostentatious black and white sweater to prepare yourself to listen to this week's take on Six Degrees of Education. Best wishes and warmest regards. Hi everyone, welcome back to the GLG Summer Pop Culture Playground. Our intention with this is to keep hanging out, keep making content and having a good time bringing you, our listeners, binge-worthy silliness and some fun, but still keeping things connected to our world, the world of education, of teams, and of learning for everyone. And if you're just joining us for the first time, we play a game for the entire episode to identify six connections or six degrees of education, six different ways something from pop culture relates to education, tying back into a theme, because what would GLG be without an amazing theme to start off with? And as usual, we like to ground ourselves in a couple of norms. And so we've set some for ourselves to keep us on track. And so we can get ourselves in and out on this particular episode. We want to keep this within 20 minutes. It's a challenge for us, but it's something that we think we're up for just because, you know what, it's summertime. So let's keep it light and breezy. And then our second norm is that spoilers are going to follow. And that's because we are connecting the dots to a lot of our favorite shows and our favorite Multimedia, multimedia, all, all the board. yeah, yeah. So we are going to be sharing some spoilers. For example, we're talking about Shit's Creek. If it's something that you have not seen or you're in the middle of the series, you might want to wait, finish that off before you jump right into this particular episode. And I will say, this 20 minutes is going to be real tough for us because we Definitely. are all we Shit's Creek fanatics in this group. If you yeah. are completely new to the show basic gist is you've got a family reconnecting with one another after they have lost all of their money. So this was an incredibly wealthy family. They find out their business manager didn't pay all their back tax. So the government repossesses all their money and they have to move to the town of Schitt's Creek. It's the last remaining asset the government has left them. And it was a town purchased by Johnny Rose, the family patriarch, as a joke for his son, David. Now, what's hilarious is Johnny Rose is played by the amazing comedian Eugene Levy and his son. In real life, Dan Levy plays his son in the show, David. Other notable family members include the former Sunrise Bay soap opera actress Moira Rose, played by the amazing Catherine O'Hara, and the jet-setting daughter, socialite, Paris Hilton-like Alexis, played by Annie Murphy. So I think that that's great that you mentioned all those characters in this show, Casey, and that's actually one of our bonding points on this. We're going to make our connections to education, but we do have to talk about the connections that we made getting to know ourselves as a guild. And along the way, we kind of stumbled upon the fact that we all could be summed up by characters on Schitt's Creek. Yep. Who's going first? (laughs) I'll go. (laughs) So because of my creative process and always having to have a plan. I am considered the Johnny Rose of the group. So I am considered the awkward, socially terrible gift giver, Johnny Rose. (laughs) Okay, so I'll go next. Along the way, I think I've been well established as being a bit 
snarky, having the sarcastic quip here and there, but I think underneath all of the sarcastic fronting that I can do from time to time, or all the time, (laughs) I really do desire to connect with people, build relationships, and keep things going, and I think that pretty much embodies the son David Rose in Schitt's Creek. I'd like to say that my role is also in the Rose family, but if I were to be honest with myself and who I am just naturally as a person is Twyla. I'm the one who's the waitress at Cafe Tropical. I find myself happiest when I'm serving others. And sometimes maybe it's a coping mechanism. Maybe that's just who I am. I appreciate sometimes being blissfully unaware like she is. And you kind of have to bring me along for the ride and explain things to me. Guys, I just realized this now. We, we are the Levy family on that We show. are. <laughs> ah, I love it. <laughs> yeah, because Twyla's played by real life daughter, Sarah. Yep. Yes. Yep. So. Mm-hmm. Oh, man, that's awesome. How did we not just notice that? <laughs> we are here to make connections. Let's do it. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Speaking of, we are already several minutes in, and if we're sticking to our 20-minute norm, we better get going. Okay. All right. So All right. speaking of, let's talk about the connections to education, and let's first start with talking about the very, very notorious town sign of Shit Creek. <laughs> Yeah, so in the don't worry, it's his sister's <laughs> sign, that is the type of thing where anybody in education looks at it and goes, oof, what a mess, right? That happens from time to time. It's one of those things where it's not a good thing to do anymore to use that, oof, that class. I was a member of one of those classes, and I think teachers cringed all through us coming through the system, but that initiative, that class, you really shouldn't do the that thing, but oof, that's not good. We've got this what do we do with it? How do we make this mess of a thing better? Well, and I think too, there's something to be said for teaching is an incredibly personal act of service. And sometimes I will fully cop to this myself. I didn't know how much of a mess I was until someone helped me see what current reality and what the problem actually was. Now in Schitt's Creek, they never actually get to that point of really seeing it. But sometimes because of the personal nature of our work, that's where that having a supportive professional collaborator there to help show you that's not his sister. There's something not quite right (laughs) about what's going on. I think that can be really, really helpful. So having as a teacher, a trusted collaborator to help you really notice and understand your personal town sign can be really powerful. And Casey, as you're talking, I'm thinking about the importance of diversity. Mm-hmm. And when you're in your own town, and for all intents and purposes, Schitt's Creek is not very diverse, and they're very like-minded, bringing Johnny Rose in to see something a little bit from a different angle or perspective mm-hmm. was like, maybe we should think about it a little bit differently, or have you considered that is something that in education, we should value, we should say, hey, someone else's perspective is going to help us make a better product or a better experience overall. Not only cultural diversity as well, but intellectual diversity. Absolutely. Great connection. All right. Next one we have is Moira's vocabulary and accent. Moira, for those of you who've watched the show, has a very distinct way of speaking. And so I'll take this one if no one has any objections. To me, go for it. Sometimes in education, we have edu speak, we have the professional jargon. We've talked about this in the Dirty Words and Unpopular Opinions episode where sometimes we say PLCs or we say these acronyms that not many people understand or know about or just hit people the wrong way because they're so tired of hearing us talk about data over and over and over again, but not really meaningfully. 
So to me, that's like Moira's vocabulary and accent. It can rub people the wrong way. It makes you sound very, very intelligent, obviously. But at the same time, you really have to drill down to what are you actually trying to get people to know, be able to do and understand. I think that's a good point, too. And also, it is interesting that the more you know education and the more you actually understand and have used some of those as dirty words, as we put it, once they've been unpacked, a lot of people can roll with them. I think unpack even is one. But, uh, <laughs> you know, bonus but it, points. Yeah. Yeah. Dude, I get points. All right. Yeah. But yeah, like once people know what's behind them, they realize that it kind of defangs it a little bit, just like baby. It's it's silly. Bebe. It's Bebe, the bebes. <laughs> yeah. But once people understand Moira's mostly bravado, but well-intentioned, it takes a lot of the edge off that for Schitt's Creek people too. As you get to know her, it's really charming. And yes. so that's the other totally. part to think about in education is you might be using some of the jargon, but how can you put that charming spin on it? Like she doesn't even know she's doing it, but I think that that's part of not taking yourself too seriously. In her case, she is taking it seriously, but <laughs> there's got to be a little bit of fun just so that people know that you're, it humanizes you. So our third connection now, several of the characters in Schitt's Creek have some pretty memorable catchphrases. We'll talk about two of them now back to back. And they come from our dear, dear character we all love and wish we could be at the end of her journey, Alexis. So her first catchphrase is love that journey for you. God, I love that. So I think about this one a lot because I think that the whole show Schitt's Creek is about arcs is about people Mm -hmm. growing and changing as a result of this experience that they have together and I really gripped onto that one when I'm thinking about a metaphor for the process of coaching or growing together with a highly functional team not to be a little on the nose but I really think this idea of people growing together and connecting by way of an experience is kind of embodies I would say Alexis's arc more than anybody's she changes I would say as drastically as anybody on this show, if not more. And I think that this idea of journeying together with other people through something that, again, might initially be difficult, like we talked about with the town sign, but gets you through some meaningful experiences and connections are made and bonds are forged and you may even find a guild from it. But this is a journey that deeply changes people and deeply changes who they are and what they're capable of doing. Alexis sums that up amazingly. And she's open to it. If we make that connection to education, where we find our best version of ourselves is when we are open to that journey. We're open to putting ourselves out there or taking risks or learning something new or not being the best at something. And she does that. And I just admire her so much for it. I know she's not a real person, but when you really think about her arc, it's just gives her such depth because she was so shallow and superficial early on. And if you think about where that quote initially happens, it's in the shallow phase, but you can tell by the end of the series, she really does believe it, even though she doesn't say the phrase as much in that moment. Her other very significant character phrase is, ew, David. So that's number four, right? (laughs) That's number four. Yeah. I wouldn't say that this one is as direct of a connection, but I think it's interesting. She's like, ew, David. And then she tells him off for something or tells him not to do something. And a lot of times he ends up doing that thing anyways or persisting in what he's doing. And I would say that it's not always for the worse. David is a character that's very true to himself and goes with his gut and goes after what he wants. And in the world of education, kind of like what Jenny said, that idea of being open to change and open to growth, that's half the battle. 
the other half of the battle is know thyself. So even if there's a little voice in your head going, ew, it's that idea of knowing yourself and knowing your needs and knowing what you want and listening to your own voice in your head as well that can really help people grow and learn as an individual or as a member of a collective. And an interesting thing I read recently that I would point out is the show starts out as a joke. Oh, haha, David, here's your town. And who stays in the town? You know, so there's the that, spoiler. There it is. Yep. Just yep. kidding. <laughs> we warned you. Yeah. If you chose to stick around, that's on yep. you. All right. <laughs> well, and to back to what Jenny was saying about our past catchphrase that applies to here is risk taking is messy. And you may not want to jump in the deep end and you may be saying, ew, David, like when you're having to face that for the first time, that struggle, it ultimately is worth the risk in a lot of ways, whether we're talking about student growth, instructor growth or system wide improvement. And I'm going to take this a little bit out of left field for the way I connected the you, David, was it's a form of feedback. And isn't feedback mm-hmm. so very oh, important nice. in education, yep. whether your feedback to your students or you're, when you're engaged in some instructional coaching, you're hoping to get some feedback from your partner or your peer that you're working with. And that feedback, like Emily said, you persist through it, or maybe you take it, maybe you don't, but it's being open to that, or even sometimes in David's case, maybe it wasn't that he was asking for it, but he was getting that feedback anyway. And I think that if we are being true to being a continuous learner, we've got to be open to listening to that feedback, even if it is ew. <laughs> Love it. All right, number five. Yay, my so favorite. This one. <laughs> so Moira is contacted by her agent to do a film in Bosnia called The Crows Have Eyes, The Crowening. So it's essentially <laughs> a second film where so an evil good. scientist decides to make a murder of crows murder a whole bunch of people. Anyway. <laughs> so let's talk about the connection between the crows have eyes to education so our girl moira is a veteran actress who has not had meaningful work in several years and i feel like even though the crows has eyes is incredibly silly in the show it provides a spark for her so again in all of its hilarity and all of the giggling that we do about the crowing because seriously it's ridiculous but (laughs) What it does for Moira and her self-confidence to get back out there and get back out to work, I think, is something that we all need to keep an eye on in terms of how we capture our veteran teachers. I think our teachers who have been in the trenches for a long time, we talked about this a little bit with Make It Work, they risk burnout, they risk Mm -hmm. disconnect. You want to make sure that people who have been teaching for a very long time are able to still spark interest and find new direction for themselves. And I would say the crows have eyes, was it two, three, the crowing provided that for our Moira. And I think that's really something that we want to see if we can bring that out in particular experience teachers. Well, and if you remember, Moira was so dead set on this being an amazing film. We're going to make this script look amazing that she inspires the director to give more and yeah. to, to view it more seriously. And that's the same. If you see a teacher doing some exceptional work, you get empowered and impassioned and, and reinvigorated yourself. So her passion is contagious with other members of that production. And the same is true as educators. If we're seeing the teacher next to us being completely revitalized by something that they're doing with their students, that can spread and build capacity. 
Yeah, you know, you hit the nail on the head right there, Casey. It's really tapping into their potential and where their passions and their emotionally compelled to do the really powerful work with their students, but we have to be able to recognize that and foster that. Some people have the capacity to do that with themselves and others, sometimes they need that nudge. And so being able to be that person that's like, hey, did you notice that that's really inspiring you to dive deeper into your own personal growth? Right. Yeah. Well put. A Moira will always promote herself, but you need to realize too that the Moiras that aren't so overt about it, who are really diving into the thing and shining at it, we want to make sure that we elevate them and make other people aware that they're knocking it out of the park. Mm -hmm. All right. And last but not least, we have the Rosebud Motel. So this one to me has a special place in my heart because, you know, J. Rowe, Johnny Rose, it becomes his new way back into business. But I think it's also important to look at it from Stevie. So Stevie is the original hotel clerk. She inherits the motel that we find out later. And she goes through this period of not being certain if this is what she wants to do with the rest of her life. And we are at that point now as educators. So many educators are leaving the profession or not sticking in the profession. And we have to find ways to support those teachers, whether that's through meaningful collaborations, mentors, through restructuring our systems to support those teachers to be successful in that position. And that's what Johnny does. He gives Stevie the flexibility to try new things and to always give her a place to come back to. And she eventually falls in love with the Rosebud Motel and this business for the two of them becomes their heart and soul. That flexibility is what sticks out to me and Mm -hmm. finding that. And I think that that's one of the biggest challenges in education is to find the time, the flexibility to help people really reflect and spend the time to feel successful in the work that they're doing. And so Johnny gives her that space. Mm -hmm. And I know that's a fictional story. How do we replicate that? Or is that even possible in education? But I'd like to think that there's somebody out there that can help figure that out. How can we find the space to let people explore what brings them the most joy in the work that they do so that they have the emotional resilience and they also have the passion to stick it out and continue in that place that's, for Stevie, it was her home, Mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Well, and that's why it can be so powerful to have a guild or a thought partner or a coach or somebody in your own professional learning community who provides that other voice for you that we've mentioned a few times in this episode or in these connections. But I think Stevie embodies one of those sort of resistant resistant Mm -hmm. learners, adult or kid. Like she's really unsure of herself, but she also starts out very walled off and Mm -hmm. closed off. And I think that her growth comes from somebody investing their belief, their time, their caring and their kindness in her. Several someone, her relative who had passed and Johnny as well. And I think another thing that stands out about that to me is that what you said about that space and that flexibility, I think that that is one of the things that we can do is just continue to be there for people and show up even when mistakes are made or when people are seeming like they don't necessarily feel as connected to the process as they were before just show up and care for them yeah and people come back it's never it's never been that stevie doesn't care it's she's afraid there's fear there's baggage there that comes out from the work that she's doing and she eventually finds that safety net with the rose family and the rest of the town in order to be empowered and make those decisions for herself. So it's finding ways within our systems to empower and honor the professionalism of those that we really want to see succeed, both students and faculty staff. Absolutely. 
All right. So our game is a would you rather. So would you rather do partner yoga with David? So if you recall, he he talks a lot. He eventually falls asleep on Jocelyn. Go cone picking with Mutt. So Mutt, you recall, is Jocelyn and Roland's son who travels up north to go cone picking and make cone wine. Traffic in raw milk with Roland <laughs> or seek asylum in a U.S. embassy with Alexis. I'll go first. So you guys are going to think I'm going to pick the yoga one, but that's too obvious. So I'm going to pick the less obvious one because I can do yoga on my own. I don't need David for that David. one. So I secretly want to be best friends with Alexis. Kind of fitting for Twyla because, you know, yep. at the end, Twyla yeah. and Alexis really get tight. So it kind of makes sense. But I would seek asylum in the U.S. embassy with Alexis. And we have talked before. We've got this great idea if Eugene Levy wants to listen. They need to do a prequel series on Alexis <laughs> yes. and all of her shenanigans. <laughs> And how they really played out. So that's the one I would choose. Dang it. I was going to choose that one too. <laughs> Shoot. <laughs> so I was like, at least I get to travel and it would probably make yeah. a really exciting story. Alexis is a survivor. She gets through it. So I'm guessing if I stick with her, I would be okay. You know, with whatever <laughs> international incident went down that she probably caused. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> I like the idea of having that very fascinating story to like, passed down through generations whereas she has like hundreds yeah prequel please do it please <laughs> and i would choose cone picking <laughs> really <laughs> yeah the mountains and the woods are my happy place and as an introvert and i feel like mutt is an introvert as well so it would be us not talking picking pine cones it sounds like heaven <laughs> <laughs> Enjoy your cone wine, Casey. Yep. Uh, yeah. So. And it has nothing to do with any attraction no, to Mutt. No, no, it actually does not. It actually does not. You prefer beards Torment are, from yeah, Game of Thrones. Yeah. 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 Not um, all beards are created equal. Not all beards. <laughs> yeah, that has nothing to do with it, actually. It's the complete, utter isolation and silence. Being with somebody who doesn't have to talk. <laughs> all right. Says the person podcasting. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Talking I know. all. It's so horrible. <laughs> Irony. All right, guys. So we went over, didn't we? But it was worth it. So, so worth it. it. So good. If any show deserves a few extra minutes, it's Shit's Creek. So I hope you enjoyed it. Especially with this crew. And that's a wrap for another mini-sode on GLG's summer pop culture playground, Six Degrees of Education. A sincere thank you for joining us on this journey as we continue to advocate for adult learners and aim to contribute to this community with genuine conversations about education, leadership, and topics that matter to you. If you'd like to connect, you can find us on our website, thegroundedlearnersguild.com, on Twitter at GroundedLGuild, at CVeacher, at TechCoachM, and at Jenny Labrie using the hashtag GLGPodChat. Feedback is a powerful tool. Might you consider leaving us a review? It helps us to keep growing, allows us to bring you quality and customized content, and assists in getting this content into others' hands, or better put, ears. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast on Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you stream. Thanks again for joining us, Casey, Emily, and me, Jenny, on this minisode of the Grounded Learners Guild. See you at the playground, and even though it's summer, do your best to stay grounded. <laughs>